okay, it's time for Perhaps It's You, an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Samantha. And we hope BD Wong is listening. Hi, BD Wong. Hi, BD Wong. Thanks. Thanks for your list, your your download. Yeah, that download like counts extra. Feels so good. Okay. <laughs> Hi. If we have any new listeners due to some re-sparked interest in Unsolved Mysteries, hello. Welcome. I hope you're not here for some knowledge about Unsolved Mysteries. No, Um, you're going to be real disappointed. Maybe we should like get that out of the way right now. We don't know anything. This is a (laughs) rewatch podcast, not an expertise podcast. Yeah. We're not the unofficial Unsolved Mysteries expertise podcast. No, 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 no. And also, if you're here for uh, reboot info, also not what this is because we're doing the robert stack episodes in order so we're gonna be talking about the reboot but that's gonna be at our patreon so you're gonna have to find a dollar on the ground and give it to us yeah we're gonna cover the the episodes i think in depth uh for our patrons but it's only a dollar i think that's a like that's the best bargain in town yeah it really is so you'll want to head over to our patreon for that uh, I've been pacing myself. So far, I've only watched one of the new episodes I watched this morning. I've not been pacing myself. <laughs> I've watched four of them. And there's only six out right now. I guess there's going to be another six, but a release date has not been announced. I believe the Unsolved Mysteries Twitter says that that's still a mystery uh, yeah. when the next six episodes are going to be out. And I mean, we're going to be covering it in our Patreon series about the reboot but we could talk about our just our general thoughts on what we think about it so far because i've i only speak for myself but i was pleasantly surprised like i figured i would like it but i didn't honestly my expectations were low and i think it's just because there was no host like it's a different format it was only gonna it's only one mystery per episode i was kind of like is what we have found in rewatching it is when there's less than four mysteries (laughs) it's like inevitably one of them is too long and it becomes really boring and i was like one mystery per episode that's like alcatraz every episode right that's what i was expecting oh a nightmare (laughs) yeah so my expectations were pretty low i was like well it's gonna have good production value it's gonna have all the drone shots that netflix does they love those they love a drone shot drone flying down the river whatever uh but actually i quite like it to the point where i i've binged i mean it's only been out since i it's been out since wednesday i didn't watch until friday but it is now sunday and i've watched four episodes so that's how much i'm enjoying it um what was your what were your thoughts i've so far only watched one but i did really enjoy it i thought it was very gripping it is i would say it has more to do with other netflix documentaries than it does with unsolved mysteries just in terms of like style and tone but i also think that's like more appropriate for this day and age i think if they were too faithful to the original format it would be kind of cheesy and probably a little disrespectful so um i actually found it very gripping and mysterious and i enjoyed watching it um it's it is kind of a different thing but i don't know that that's bad like i'm not such an unsolved mysteries purist that I feel like oh, you yeah. have to throw it. They have to throw it away because it's not. It's not going to be the same thing. I, it's interesting to me that I feel like our attention spans at this point are you know like gone, 
right? Like we expect everything so fast and we're getting like so much more information than we would have been in the 80s and 90s. So it's kind of interesting that the mysteries are actually longer instead of That is what surprised me the most, I think. I was like, I'm going to lose interest in one mystery per episode. But I think there's... So listener Joss in our um, Facebook group had this observation, which is that the original was designed for channel flippers, which I guess I had never really thought about that much. That's absolutely true. Sometimes you turn on, you would turn on the TV, not exactly at the hour, right? Or, or you were watching something and you go, actually, this sucks. And so you go and let you like search for something else to watch. So it does kind of make sense that with like each commercial break, they would be doing a new little mystery. Yeah. And now that we are in this age of streaming and on demand and you can rewatch things because it's just always at your fingertips, this format makes more sense. And it's bingeable as well. And I guess I hadn't really like thought that hard about it. But when I read that, that observation, I was like, oh, it really makes a lot of sense. And the other thing is that because they give each mystery enough time, you get every side. I think this was another, I'm just going to steal Joss's takes, <laughs> because I think another thing that they said was that um, sometimes in the original, the mysteries are so short that it's confusing. You're yeah, left with like true. unanswered questions because there's clearly other sides of the story that they're not telling. And so details get left out and then you're left like, okay, I don't know, this is weird. <laughs> Where you get all of the twists and turns in these episodes because they're telling you the whole story. And that makes it more mysterious, too, because it's like you're starting to think it's one thing. And then all of a sudden you're given new information from another side and you're like, oh, maybe it's this. So I think that's why I found it to be in many ways more compelling than the I mean, the original is... You know, there's nostalgia, there's all kinds of other stuff that we enjoy about the original. But as far as like this new thing, I'm quite liking it for what it is. And like you, I'm not an Unsolved Mysteries purist. I'm not like a original recipe stand to the point where nothing could ever be good enough. <laughs> I think and I think those people are out there and that's fine. But this is just not going to be that. Uh, no, I totally agree. I think that they have to be more selective about the cases that they pick because they're going to be have to be gripping for an entire hour, right? So we're not going to get um, perhaps the variety of mysteries that we got on Unsolved, the original Unsolved Mysteries, but also like times have changed. There's not going to be lost loves. People don't need a call-in center to help find their lost loved ones at this point. <laughs> I, so, I saw a meme or something that was like, could you imagine if the reboot did a lost love and the update is just like, well, Scott decided he was going to look <laughs> this person's name up on Facebook and turns out they found him pretty easily. <laughs> I mean, maybe there is a case where like that's not working, right? And there will somehow be a lost love that needs like a lot more digging or, you know, I don't know. But um in general, I think we're not going to be seeing those type of mysteries. Um, you know, it, there is going to be one alien. I haven't watched that one yet, but I'm guessing there's less like ghosts and stuff like that because it seems like it would be hard to do a whole hour. But yeah. I thought the one case that I watched, um, it seemed like a good representation of that case. And you got a lot of information and you learned a lot about the family involved and stuff like that. That so, first um, episode was so gripping. I watched gripping. it. I sort of just threw it on Friday night. We were about to eat dinner. 
uh, Travis had to leave to go do some work and I turned it on and we got so sucked in and it was like the sun was going down. He had to like leave (laughs) to go get some stuff done. And like, we couldn't tear ourselves away from that episode because it was so fascinating. And because, and in a way, because you're only hearing from the loved ones, it's like you get really invested in it. And some of these these cases are really sad and so you just find yourself really invested in what happened and i will say that like i've watched four now and there's a few that are like not super mysterious and like who did it in my opinion like it seems like pretty likely that we know who did it but then there's still there's still mystery about like it's not like a hundred percent because there's these weird things and like where is that person and like i yeah i i'm really liking it i wish there was more than six episodes i'm trying to like savor the last couple like i think the biggest disappointment to me is there's so much original recipe and that's just like not possible in this format i don't think um and that's just not really the way we make TV anymore. And that's just like a bummer to me in general. Like I miss there being a ton of something that you could like really get into. Um, but I think it is, it's going to be a cool way to take advantage of crowdsourcing in this new era. And hopefully even for ones where it's like pretty obvious who did it, like maybe we can get some actual evidence, you know, like right. maybe we can actually close these cases and it's cool to think about. Maybe yeah. that's going to happen out of this project and i hope that it does i hope that it brings some closure to these families absolutely i would definitely recommend checking it out i i was not like oh i can't wait for this to drop because i don't know i just didn't really know what to expect and i don't know whatever but i was i was pleasantly surprised i would say I agree. We're on the same page. And if you want to hear us talk in depth about each episode, subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, search on Patreon for perhaps it's you because we spelled our URL wrong because I we don't blame, know how to spell. <laughs> I blame Patreon for that, but who knows? Because actually, we have an update in our typo <laughs> this saga. Is good, this is a good segue. That, as you may recall, someone was furious at the egregious error that was on our website where it said somewhere somewhere instead of someone somewhere and someone could not could not get over the fact that we made i did it i'm the one that typed that in there the fact that i had made this mistake uh it turns out the person like doesn't even listen to the show and i think just like wanted that domain name (laughs) this seems apparent so as you may recall we got that email and then like less than 24 hours we got a dm on instagram that was like excuse me i didn't get a response to my email there's an egregious error on your website and i believe liz had responded just are you for real and this person didn't I honestly didn't know if they were trolling me or not it was a legit question like are like are you really this upset about a typo like that's hard to believe yeah, the update is that they really were, apparently, okay. unless this is, like, a very serious and committed troll, they were really serious about... This is the <laughs> response that we eventually got to my question. Are you for real? I am super very for real. I love Unsolved Mysteries, and I am legit insulted that you didn't proofread your shit. I like the name of your website. I figured you must be a super fan, but that misquote says otherwise. I wish you no ill will, but I couldn't let that boner slide. 
Let that boner slide has now become a thing. I think I've seen it commented on a few times on our social media. (laughs) Let that boner slide. This person is clearly that a lot. I think a lot of people have told him that they're not going to let that boner slide. (laughs) This person is committed to eloquent language. I've seen in this this sentence, I'm super very for real, and I couldn't let that boner slide. Okay, so Samantha said, yeah, it's just a typo, dude. It's kind of weird how obsessed you are with it, honestly. I suggest you not look at it so it doesn't bother you anymore. (laughs) He said, okay, I'll take your awesome advice. Happy fourth. What is my life? What is happening? There's two points of evidence that I don't know there's more than that. There's several ev- pieces of evidence that suggest that this person does not listen to our podcast. One, they're that they thought they could send us this email. We wouldn't ridicule this person endlessly on our public platform, which we're, we've done many times. I don't even know that they know that. I think... That's because they don't some, listen to this podcast. <laughs> for some reason, they were just like, oh, I wish I had the... I wish I had the domain name. Perhaps it's you. What? It's taken. Oh, these must be some super fans. What? They made a typo. Oh, I cannot <laughs> let this boner slide. <laughs> and the, the fact that they wished us a happy fourth is another uh, I, clear example. Like expert trolling. That's the thing. I'm still a little bit I'm unsure. not convinced that this a, person isn't a troll. How is it a real person? That's okay, why I, I'm not convinced that this totally that this person isn't a troll because who is like this i don't know but there's i mean there's all types <laughs> okay i also wanted to read this one review we got so as you may recall we got a review from elgin mom very upset that we were in support of defunding the police and so we got some positive reviews thank you everyone for you know just to canceling karen out but um, Sammy Stew left this review that I just wanted to read. This is mostly in all caps, except for random undercase letters. <laughs> just had to update. I sent a review before, but had to delete that just to write an updated one. They are dangerous and the cackling must stop. I asked them to solve world peace and they just gave me facts and I am horribly insulted Enough to write a scathing review admitting to my own ignorance. <laughs> they also clearly lie. I tried to write a review on Facebook so the whole world could see they aren't experts outside of a free podcast and couldn't figure it out, which is their fault. <laughs> Unfortunately, I am a law-abiding Christian, so until they purposely bring about the purge with their memes, I have to give it five stars. And I would say... That's appropriate because, yes, we only accept five-star reviews. So thank you for following the rules. And uh, I'm sorry that we haven't brought about the purge with memes yet, but, you know, we're, we're Look, we're working on it. We're fighting the good fight. It's it's going to take a while, but we are nothing if not committed to bringing about the purge with our memes. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been more committed to anything. Um <laughs> My other updates is we heard from several people. So last week we talked about the Elizabeth Short, a.k.a. Black Dahlia case. And I mentioned, because it was an update on Unsolved Wiki, that someone had wrote a book accusing their dad of being the murderer. And it's called Black Dahlia Avenger, I believe. Let me just check. 
Yes, Black Dahlia Avenger, A Genius for Murder, The True Story by Steve Hodel. And I sort of thought this guy was just trying to, like, put himself in the story. But several people contacted us to say that they read this book, and it's actually quite good. So um, that might be something that we'll have to read in the future. It sounds interesting. It doesn't sound interesting when I just, like, looked about the book. But when other people told me about it, I was like, okay, that does actually sound good. Because the just, like, even the fact that the title... I don't know. Something about the title and the cover art and the just like general gist of it. I was like, this seems like very trashy and this person is just like trying to make some money off of a horrible thing. But apparently actually he has some pretty good evidence that his dad is the killer. So interesting. That might be something we want to check out. Okay. Okay. Other not really updates, but reminders is that on July 13th, Samantha and I are doing a sale on Instagram to support the East Lake Library. So if you want dog bandanas and cloth face masks, oh boy, you got to be there. Check it out. And I think that will be, I'm just going to make this de- declaration right now, noon central time. Okay. Okay. So when we're going to do that. Why not? Right? That seems like easy to remember. Yeah. Noon central time zone. Buy uh- cloth ma- face masks and bandanas for your dog. To support the library. Write that on your yeah. calendar. Get out your planner. I realize everyone regrets buying a 2020 planner. Oh my but you've God, got I'm one never, laying down. I've you never had got- <laughs> my planner in months. You've got one laying around. You've <laughs> now we have we've given you something to write in your planner. Or you could just write it on a post-it note and then like stick it somewhere because yeah. I'm never gonna open that planner for probably the rest <laughs> of the year. It was a huge waste of money. Um and also, the other thing is, if you wanted to submit to the zine, you have till the end of July. And if you submit something, you'll get a free copy of the zine and three free patron Patreon episodes. So, you know, it's not the worst deal out there. I think that's it. Did you have any updates? Nope. I think we've covered them. Okay. Um, still no confirmation of BB Wong is listening. Uh, I just I just choose to accept in my heart that it's true. I did just hear from my dad before we started recording, saying that it was a it was a bold take to recommend potatoes. <laughs> he said, "Bold choice supporting potatoes won't please everyone, but sometimes you have to say what's in your heart or stomach." <laughs> I just said, couldn't agree more. So there's that. Okay, so we've possibly got some new listeners maybe this is the first episode anyone is listening to uh (laughs) we recommend something at the end of each episode sometimes we don't have a lot to recommend sometimes we recommend things like potatoes and honestly i stand by it you had a real recommendation for some reason i I interrupted you and said are you recommending potatoes (laughs) is it because in the room i'm in there's like a hanging basket that has like fruit and potatoes and it's like right in my eye line i don't know maybe but (sighs) that's just the sort of irreverent wit that you're going to be hearing (laughs) on this fine program everyone is smashing that subscribe button right now what more potato content please (laughs) bing 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 uh yeah no thanks for joining us thanks for being here everyone we appreciate your continued support uh i know the panda if you're in the u.s the pandemic is just like dragging on there's no end in sight it's a real fucking bummer and if you're in like every other country man am i jealous of you 
I really, I really wish we were like organized and could do shit, but I think we've proven that that's not our thing. Like successfully doing anything. And Beyond I feel, a shadow of a doubt. I feel very, in a way, the the best thing I can say about this is that I feel very like justified in all of my America hate that has been on this show in the past. Oh, stand by I, it. That I was like, really, that person got mad. I wouldn't uh, salute the flag. Well, look at this shit show. <laughs> How many times did you salute the flag yesterday on July 4th? Oh, zero, as usual. <laughs> I will say there are two things I did celebrate this weekend. Uh, the fact that we can now swim in Animal Crossing. Yeah. Thank you. That's amazing. And also we get new Unsolved Mysteries. And it turns out that's pretty great, too. So not the worst holiday weekend. But uh, I have absolutely no interest in ce- celebrating the 4th of July pro- ever. Like I take take a flag, throw it in the trash. I don't care. Yeah, not much worth celebrating about no. America. Uh, really ever, but particularly most, like, right now. Super egregious and nonsensical right now. Like, it just, every, like, maybe every year it just seems like, what? What are we We're doing? still celebrating this place? That's a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> fire up your nintendo switch and dive in yeah yeah it's time for me to swim in a fake ocean oh so relaxing god damn that honestly couldn't have come at a better time i know thank that you animal, that animal cro- a reminder to folks out there that we have an animal crossing facebook group spinoff oh group, yeah and it is hopping and people are trading their diys and i just someone let me come to their island and buy turnips this morning uh so it's the real reason to get, <laughs> i mean everybody in there is super nice so that's cool but also you need to be able to share turnip prices and go to other people's islands to sell your turnips and if you don't play animal crossing that probably sounds bananas but it's an important component of the game it is an also, important- <laughs> i forgot to buy turnips this morning but also no! <laughs> yeah no come join us uh and that is uh perhaps it's you who wants to see my spooky outfit of the day is what that group is called good luck finding it without <laughs> joining our other facebook group i think if you search perhaps it's you groups it'll come up and you'll be able to tell which one it is because there's an animal crossing picture <laughs> so you'll be able to find it but it's a great group and if you're not like friend of the pod arden and you're not like on reddit oh uh God. making she- trades with other gamers and like making your amazing five-star island after playing the game for three days you want to be in a facebook group with like a small number of people <laughs> Arden is a woman speed. of many talents she takes the world's best selfies that sounds like i'm saying it sarcastically but i am not 100 true legit does uh you can find those on instagram under minneapolis mermaid she makes amazing hummus amazing. and she might she might be born to play Animal Crossing. <laughs> like, it's her destiny. I'm, I don't know, so jealous of her all the time. Anyway, let's talk about Unsolved Mysteries now. All right, what everyone came for. Yeah, so we're on season five, episode 14 today. I watched on YouTube. There's a rumor that you can still get it for free on Amazon. Do you have the scoop on this? I don't, I don't know. I couldn't figure that out. So I couldn't I, either. <laughs> I can't. But also, there's like a Pluto channel, if you have a Roku, yes. that is an Unsolved Mysteries channel. So you might be able to watch it through that. Um, yeah, it is on 
YouTube through FilmRise, which is how I watched it for today. Um, I don't know. Maybe some people can get it and some people can't through Amazon. I have no idea, but I couldn't figure out that. It was easier just to search for it on YouTube. So that's how we watched. Um, and I believe I have the first one. Oh, this is a Christmas special. It is. And Robert Stack seems like really happy about it. Or he's Extra just like, poetic, Robert Stack. He's in like today's episode. He's on the charm like nobody's business. I don't know if he had like two threesomes before work or what, but he <laughs> seems happy. He had some spiked eggnog between the takes and oh, he call. is. That's yeah. Like, I realize it's like day. been hot as hell. It's been super steamy here in Minnesota, but honestly, a spiked eggnog that doesn't oh, sound bad. My God, now I have the biggest craving in Minnesota. Okay, so a little bit north of where I live, there is a little creamery, and they make the world's best eggnog. It is so expensive, but every year we drink like gallons of it. It is so good, <laughs> and now that's all I want right now. Is my mouth is watering. Oh God. Okay. Yeah, so okay. you have the first one. It is about a kid named Chucky McGiven. That's <laughs> not a real name. Chucky, we, oh, there's an R in there. It's Chucky McGivern. But okay, that not- sounds even faker than what I just said. <laughs> is this a doll that comes to life but gives you presents instead of murdering you? <laughs> Chucky McGivern? <laughs> or like, do you remember in the late 80s, maybe early 90s, there was like a whole McDonald's world. Like there was Mayor McCheese uh-huh. and there yeah, was of course. the Hamburglar and the Fry Kids. Okay. I feel like Chucky McGivern might be Mayor McCheese's real name. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. wasn't always a mayor. He wasn't born a mayor, right? So- he has to have a real name. And right. I propose that it's Chucky McGivern. <laughs> so you just not a lot of people going by Chucky anymore. This is Charles I Chucky McGivern. I think the murderous doll kind of ruined that name. <laughs> Sorry to everyone who had that name before the movie came out. Oh my god. Mac used to work with a guy who's literally named like Frederick Krueger. <laughs> wow. But I mean he was born before the that movie came out. So the fact that his name is Freddy Krueger, that's not his, you know, it's not like his parents named him that. Like, <laughs> oh, we're going to name him as a as a homage to our favorite fake murderer. He, that just happened. Now he just has to go around life being Freddy Krueger. I'm just imagining, like, a millennial, like, baby shower or something where, like, they decide their child's name is going to be Chucky and they just have, like, I don't know, it's in a banner across a fireplace. Just Would baby, it be like baby blue banner? It says Chucky. <laughs> I could see that almost being like a horror themed baby shower, like it was on purpose. Like, oh, okay. I see. I was thinking about it like unironically, but if like it people, was, I feel like you could go two totally different ways. You could go a very like, um, I don't know what, like girl on Pinterest way, where yeah, there's like a banner and maybe you cut open a cake and it's blue inside or whatever. But I could also see a direction where you're like, no, we love horror movies and we're literally naming our baby Chucky. And then everyone like gives them Chucky dolls. And then Honestly, the, the, like the nursery is like Chucky themed. Okay, like I don't want children, but I kind of want to get pregnant now. Just for that to name my, see, because you would name your child Charles, but then like for the shower, you could like part- make it Chucky themed. Yeah, like, I, honestly, yeah. I re- I really like this. You know, if I, any of our listeners are pregnant, feel free to steal that idea. Okay, 
<laughs> yes. I mean, yes. I have organized two baby showers in my life, and one was mummy themed, and one was 90s ice skating themed. So <laughs> hit me up for some ideas. All right. In December 1982, seven year old Chucky McGivern came home from school with the chicken pox. <laughs> I'm going to have to say Chucky McGivern a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chucky. I'm sorry. <laughs> If you're out there listening, I apologize. I'm being very <laughs> mature. Uh, so he had the chicken pox. And then three days later, uh, his brother alerted his parents to something being wrong uh, with Chucky. He was unconscious. And his mom said that he was he actually felt cold to the touch. So they rushed had, him to the hospital. He had slipped into a coma. Yeah. His brain was dangerously swollen. The doctors diagnosed him with Ray's syndrome and his parents were told that he may not survive. They were also told that if he lived, he could likely have severe brain damage. So Ray's syndrome is something that really only strikes children, apparently, and it causes swelling in the brain. Um, so this was obviously extremely frightening for his parents. Um, oh, I they, can't imagine. Sounds terrible. They actually moved into the hospital to be closer to Chucky, um, and other family members joined them as well. And I think this may have been, I'm not exactly sure. Oh, it was in December. So it was around Christmas time, because in the reenactment, you see, like, um, a Christmas tree in like the hospital lobby and it's almost like a family reunion. It's kind of like this weird juxtaposition where the reenactment almost looks like a holiday party, but it's actually like under the worst possible circumstances. Um, his mother's cousin, Jerry gave her several um, Catholic, I'm not even sure what you call them. They call medals. them medals. Yeah. Um, in the show there, one of them was a, uh, a figurine of St. John Newman, who was the saint, patron saint of vocations. Um, he had it in his pocket when he was in a serious car wreck, and he believed that it offered some form of protection to him. He said it literally saved his life. Yes. I don't think I realized that there were American saints. So, yeah, I'm pulling up the uh, information on St. John Newman. One second. And he was the first American saint. Um, he was a Catholic priest from Bohemia. He immigrated to the United States in 1636, where he was ordained and later joined the re Redemption. What is this? Redem I can't pronounce this. Redemptionorist order? Uh -huh, uh -huh. Okay, My there's an order. Looks like redemptionist, but there's an R in here. I'm not. Look, I'm not religious. Okay, this is the congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer, commonly known as redemptionists. <laughs> For some reason, my mouth can't make that word. Um, it's a religious congregation of the Catholic Church, uh, dedicated to missionary uh, work. Okay. Anyway, he joined that order and became the fourth bishop bishop of Philadelphia. He is the first United States bishop. And to date, the only uh, male U.S. citizen to be canonized. While, oh. Bish while Bishop of Philadelphia, Newman founded the first Catholic diocesan school system in the United States. He is a Roman Catholic saint and was canonized in 1977. Um, yeah, so that is his story. And there is this sort of... They say if they tell a few stories in the unsolved mysteries of people who believe that they were healed by him, and that's and then um, 
Chucky's uncle was in a car wreck with this medal and believed that he survived largely because he had the protection of um, St. John Newman. So he gave it to his sister and she placed it along with the other medals that they were given uh, near Chucky's head um, to cast protection over his brain. She said that their family wasn't particular. They were Catholic, but they weren't super religious. Um, but she, at this point, was willing to try anything. And her husband is interviewed for the show. And he said, look, I don't pray very much. But when it's your kid laying there in a hospital bed, you will call upon just about anyone. And he's like, I have never prayed so hard in my life. And they just did everything that they could think of. Because the doctors were basically giving them very little hope. She actually said that she walked into the hospital one day. And there were two nurses sort of behind a partition that didn't know she was there. And she overheard them saying that he's not going to make it. So at this point, they're like, well, we need a miracle. Because no one thinks he's going to survive. Yeah. So despite all this and despite their prayers, Chucky's condition seemed to worsen. At one point, his um, that's his mother overhearing the nurses say he wasn't going to make it. Um, he uh, had to undergo a series of really intense procedures. And it was really not looking good at all. At one point, his mother tells a story about walking into his room and noticing that the metal for St. John Newman was flipped over and she went through this whole ordeal of having to unclip. She had the medals pinned to his pillow so that it would always be next to his head. And she had to undo all of the medals that were pinned there in order to flip St. John Newman forward. And it it basically, it seemed like it was, it wasn't getting jostled around very much. And if it had, it probably wasn't going to be upside down. But then she came back a little while later and it was once again upside down. So she felt like someone was sending a message through that metal. Um, Another weird thing that happened is someone taped a picture of St. John Newman to the like glass wall of his hospital room. And she asked everyone, I mean, they pretty much lived in this hospital. So she went around and asked everyone she could think of who put this picture there, family, employees of the hospital no one knew where this picture that came is really from, weird which is spooky and I, you know i don't know that they were going around telling people that they were at this point they weren't convinced that this particular metal was going to do anything for him it was just one of several um and they weren't even you know i i think maybe if you're very catholic you may know all of these saints um clearly his uncle her uncle his uncle did but i'm not sure that they were like this is the one this is the saint that's going to protect my son they were just well, trying also, everything. He's the saint of vocations. He's not like the saint of healing or something. Right. Or like so, sick kids or something. Yeah. It seems like a weird coincidence. Right. So they don't. This is spooky. They don't know where that came from. And then the weirdest thing happened, which is the day after they found the taped picture, um, a mysterious small boy showed up at the hospital and presented himself to several people. First, it was the doctor and his wife. It wasn't really clear to me why the doctor's wife was in the hospital, but he was. Uh-uh. And this boy wandered into where they were sitting watching TV. Um, and I'm not sure if he talked to them at all. I think he just like pokes his head in and they're like, why is that kid just wandering around by himself? And why does he look like Harry Potter? But I don't think <laughs> he, he actually kind of looked like Harry Potter. Yeah. At this point, I don't think he said anything. Um, but then he walked into Chucky's hospital room or was that? I think it was actually Chucky's dad and mom. Or maybe You're right. I got this flipped around. Was, was watching TV because I don't think the doctor is sitting in the hospital watching TV. That would be kind of rude. I got but, this flipped uh, around. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the Chucky's dad sees this kid and is like, why is this kid just wandering around unattended? Oh, well, I bet his parents are around here somewhere. And then the kid goes to Chucky's hospital. I got... Yes, I got it. I think I got it flipped around. So the the two people, the people that this kid showed himself to were Chucky's mother and father who were watching TV in the hospital and then his doctor, which was actually at Chucky's bed. So in Chucky's bed, bed like at his bedside, there was the doctor and I think a nurse and this child came in and said he's here to see Chucky and this child actor is not the best. <laughs> it no, was he's really, pretty bad, really actually. Is, Super weird. And cast for his Harry Potter-esque looks, but uh, no. Yeah, and the doctor was like, who are you? And the kid is like, I'm just here to see Chucky and then backs out of the room and disappears. And the doctor runs out of the room and he's gone. Here to see Chucky. No, I'm just... (laughs) Backs away slowly. Chucky. So he vanished before the doctors could talk to him. Later that day, a priest came to administer the last rites for Chucky. Um, however, he felt that instead of dying, Chucky would reverse course, get better, and live through the disease. This part is kind of weird. I don't know who this guy is or like how he even came to know about Chucky, but he says that he felt called to go give I think he just like heard rite. about it and he was like, I must go there. Yeah, like he wasn't really he wasn't like their family priest or anything. He just Yeah, that's why it was weird to me. I'm like, were you the priest for the hospital or like how did you know? I don't know. It was had weird. A calling. Yeah, I guess. Less than an hour later, Chucky regained consciousness. Soon, he was off life support and sitting up in bed. He told his parents that in several dreams he had seen the same boy that his father, the doctors and the nurses had seen. A few days before Christmas, he was released from the hospital. So he basically says that he had this dream where a bunch of children, Asian children. He specifies that there was a lot of Asian children there. Not sure why that's relevant, but it stuck out to him in the dream. Uh, Yeah, there's like a crowd of children around giving him presents. Sounds like a pretty good dream. But one of those children was like represented his best friend. And that was the Harry Potter looking child they had seen before. Uh, yeah, it's I really, really uh, I really like this kid. Like when we see Chucky, like, you know, in the present of Unsolved Mysteries, he's wearing the world's thickest turtleneck. Uh, he's got this great Pennsylvania accent. And he's, yeah, just talking about being in a dream, getting showered with gifts. It's a, it's a moment that could only happen on Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, so he says that this one child in particular was his best friend, and his parents were like, okay, this is kind of weird. But then, after he had gotten out of the hospital, his family brings him, um, his parents bring him to a shrine to St. John Newman, and there he saw a picture of a young boy and he insists that that boy is the boy from his dream who is his best friend and it turns out it was a photo of young saint john newman dun 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 so his family believes that newman came to help save chucky's life over a decade later he is still alive and well um perhaps due to the spirit of saint john newman uh and robert stack comes back Again, in a great mood. It's just like, you know what? Some mysteries don't need to be solved. This is great. Kids survived. It's a miracle. (laughs) He's like, yeah, it doesn't really matter how. It doesn't really matter. This was like the speediest recovery the hospital has ever seen. He got to be home for Christmas. Good job, everyone. Good job, St. John Newman. Were there any updates to this? Is it like, is that kid still alive? 
No, Unsolved Mysteries says it's unsolved, but I think it's super solved. (laughs) You lived. It's a miracle. No, I have no idea where Chucky is today. Hopefully, he's using the name Charles. Uh, Yeah, but how will I know it's him when I meet him if he's not using the name Chucky? Okay. Should we look up Chucky McGivern on Facebook? No. Leave him alone. McGivern. Leave him alone. There's a Chuck McGivern. That's probably him. Quit sending him I hope you're doing. I hope you're doing. Oh, there's so many. Okay, no, that's McGovern. There's lots of Chuck McGoverns. Well, yeah, I've actually heard that name before. Okay. Hope he's doing well. It's time for a wanted. This is a pretty mysterious case. Pay attention. It was Sunday, February 28th of 1998. Firefighters in Odessa, Texas were called to an unattended trash fire in the parking lot of an abandoned bar. However, as you might suspect, it turned out to actually be the scene of a grisly murder. The body, <laughs> of course, the body that was found uh, was the man who had been beaten and shot twice before being set on fire. The victim was 59 year old Neil Jennings, an RV dealer from Dallas, who also dabbled in restoring classic cars. Uh, the investigators called this one of the most bizarre cases they had ever investigated. A key figure in this case is Bill Roberts, who Robert Stack describes as an enigmatic drifter. Okay. (laughs) He worked for Neil and might have been the last person to see him alive. Uh, So go back to February 26th. Oh, I'm sorry. I think I said this was in 1998. It's actually in 1988. Anyway. So if we go back to February 26th, Neil Jennings and Bill Roberts stopped at Neil's brother's house just outside of dallas because eight weeks earlier neil had hired bill to work on his latest project restoring a 1959 ford thunderbird so they were dropping it off i guess the car was for his brother so they were dropping it off and it looks at least in the reenactment man that's a fine car at this point it's revealed that he was only paying bill 50 dollars a week (laughs) doesn't seem like enough for his work plus room and board Bill seems real salty about it in the reenactment. Yeah. And Neil's like, what? That's it? Well, I guess it keeps him off the street. Um, uh... <laughs> that's extremely illegal. Okay. It was also revealed that Neil was having financial problems and didn't actually have the $50 to pay Bill. Oh, so he was paying him nothing a week. Yeah. Well, at least this this that week, he didn't have the money to pay him. Or so he said. So they drove 300 miles after that to Odessa and ended up checking into a motel on the edge of town. This is the last time, I think at that check-in is the last time anyone sees Neil Jennings alive. After that, Bill proceeds to do a bunch of extremely suspicious things. One is that he goes to the home, like, you know, unannounced, uninvited, of a man named Jack, who was actually the person that had introduced him to Neil a few months earlier. He is reported to be very nervous and sweating profusely. So at this point, I drew Jack's mustache, which is kind of a standard mustache, but on the thin side. And I called it the putter there pal. (laughs) Because he just looks like a guy that would use that phrase. That's really true. Not my pick for MVM, though. No, agreed. Um, So he was unclear about where Neil was, but said that the truck went dead and that he needed a jump start and that's why he had come over so jack goes to help him jump start the truck and then i think he parks it outside of jack's house and sleeps in it overnight when he gets up in the morning jack notices that the bed of the truck is covered with a tarp 
and that Bill is like kind of circling the vehicle. I don't know, as if he's trying to keep people away from it. So later that day, he tries to he's seen trying to sell Neil's truck to some people outside of the motel they had been staying at for twelve hundred dollars. The people were not interested. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he asked if he could park behind the motel in a spot that would be out of view from the street. And the residents at the motel were like, yeah, whatever. We really don't care. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's known where he goes after that. But later that day, he comes back to the motel. There's seriously people who stay in the motel semi-permanently and are just, you know, kind of there. So he comes back later that day and he asks them if he can borrow a pick and a shovel. And he says he has to do some plumbing work for an old lady, I think. With a pick and a shovel? Yes. And they're like, yeah. Really obvious. <laughs> they were also like, yeah, we're people who live in a motel. We don't have like tools. You know, <laughs> like they don't have a garage or something, right? Like, yeah, let me get my pick and my shovel. Yeah. Oh, I've just been storing this on the, the second bed in the motel. Here's a chainsaw. No. Maybe there was another murderer staying there and he could just well, borrow their murder tools. He, he, he probably wanted to bond with another murderer, but these, these people seem fine. Um, so they didn't have either of those things. So he then went to a convenience store and asked if he could park behind the store because the truck was overheating. And the store owner was like, yeah, sure. What the fuck do I like? I feel like this guy keeps asking questions and people are just like, yeah, just do what you were going to do. Why are you even telling me about it? You're so extremely suspicious. <laughs> so 15 minutes later, 15 minutes after asking the store owner, the store owner hears two gunshots. About 45 minutes after that, he comes back into the store, at least in the reenactment, to buy a Coke. I don't know if that's actually why he came back in the store. But he comes back in the store and at this point now has a large wad of cash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is weird to me because supposedly Neil didn't even have the money to pay him, but maybe he was lying. I really don't know. So he goes back to the motel, but he doesn't stay at the motel. He just sleeps in his truck that he's parked in the back. At this point, he also makes a weird comment about having, quote, done the job. While acting extremely nervous. Yeah. One of, one of the residents notices that he has blood on his shirt. And Bill asks if he can use the laundry facilities. This woman is extremely chill because she did not think anything of that. She was like, yeah, I thought maybe he just cut his hand and wiped it on his shirt. It's like not a small amount of blood. There's a huge it, blood <laughs> like handprint on his chest. I mean, I guess he had been asking to borrow tools and stuff, and maybe him, his, he hurt himself. But also, he's been acting weird this whole time. But Also, he hadn't cut his hand. You could see his hands. <laughs> they were not cut. The woman that's in this reenactment, you might recognize. She was on Mad TV. Oh, right now I can't re remember her name. But anyway, when you're going, who is that? That's who that is. And oh. she's actually from Odessa, Texas, because at one point I looked it up and knew her name and I've already forgotten it. But <laughs> kind of interesting that she's actually from Odessa. Okay. So, yeah. So he goes and washes his bloody shirt. Uh, and another resident at the motel noticed that there was some blood on the back of the pickup truck. Like pouring out of the cab i don't know it was just like on the bumper in the reenactment around noon he left the motel for good um eight hours after that is when authorities were at the trash fire um and so now i drew another 
mustache. This was on Ex- Inspector Mark Donaldson. It's gray and it looks very stra- scratchy. And I called it Wilderness Peak. And I don't know. It's not even really worth mentioning. Um, so it's believed that Bill shot Neil Jennings and hid his body in this trash heap. And then for some unknown reason, waited 24 hours before setting the body on fire. However, part of the question is, where was Neil from Friday until the gunshots are heard on Saturday? So the last time Neil's seen is when he's checking into the motel. For most of Saturday, Bill is like driving around and being a weirdo. But those gunshots aren't heard by the store owner until Saturday night. So there's like 24 hours where it's kind of unclear if Neil is alive or dead or where he was. It kind of seems like he's already in the back of the truck and maybe he wasn't like all the way dead. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Turns out that Bill Roberts's name was actually Bill Blackwell and he had served time for larceny and theft. I don't know. That's like kind of irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. But he was already wanted for a parole violation. Authorities had determined that after leaving Odessa, he drove to Albuquerque where he sold the truck at a flea market. He had not been seen since on Unsolved Mysteries. However, there is an update. The authorities tracked Bill to Texas where he was arrested. He pled guilty to the murder of Neil Jennings and was sentenced to 30 years. And let me just check. I don't think there's any more information on that. Bill needed to cool it. I, don't be murdering someone if you're this jumpy. Yeah, Bill is not cut out for crimes. Um, he seems extremely on edge. It's a little bit hard to feel bad for Neil, honestly, because he was exploiting this guy and was supposed to only give him $50 a week and then wasn't even going to give it to him. But, no, that doesn't mean he should be murdered. Um, I, at one point, Robert Stack was like, they thought the motivation was that he wanted to sell his truck. And I was like, or he was like, where's my 50 bucks? And Neil wouldn't give it to him. And so he killed him and took his big wad of cash. Like, that seems like that would seems be the motive. <laughs> seems For some likely. reason, it wasn't really, like, mentioned. Um, yeah, that's the case. I, I, it still doesn't really explain what was happening for, like, that day in between like when people last saw neil and when his body was found but that's all the information we have yeah now you have a really really sad one yeah this is a super sad missing person we are looking for antonette christine cayadito i think antonette is such a pretty name yes i as a po- it's like stands in stark contrast to Chucky. Sorry, Chucky, but <laughs> oh, Chucky! All he did was yeah. survive a terrible illness, oh, and here true. we are ragging on Chucky, him. I hope you're going by Charles. Okay, even Chuck is better. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, basically anything's <laughs> better than Chucky. So nine-year-old Antoinette Cayadito disappeared on April 6, nineteen eighty-six. Um, when her mother Penny awoke that morning, she was surprised to find out that Antoinette was not in the house. She started to panic after checking with every single person in the neighborhood. No one had seen her. The police and her neighbors searched around the surrounding foothills and found no trace of Antoinette. Authorities were most almost certain that she was kidnapped in the middle of the night. Police were um, capable of offering very little to bolster her parents' hope because there was essentially no evidence. She pretty much just vanished. Um, so sad. A, a plus to this case is at no point do they posit that Antoinette 
just ran away, um, packed a bag and decided to just peace out. For pretty much the beginning, they were like, this is foul play. There's no reason to believe otherwise. Like this girl could should not have just vanished out of her own home with there's like family in the house. She had siblings and she just pretty much disappeared into thin air. Also, she was um, just a little child. Right. Yeah. She was nine years old at the time. Oh. Um, I, after a year passed, authorities received a dramatic call from help for help. It came into the Gallup police station. A young voice on the phone claimed to be Anthonette. Uh, she stated that she was in Albuquerque and that she was frantically asking for help. However, before the girl on the line could tell the dispatcher exactly exactly where she was, an unidentified male voice said to her, who said you could use the phone? The girl no. then screamed and the call ended. That's they so do a reenactment funny. of this recording. I hope it's not the real recording. Uh, no, I think it might be. It is chilling. Chilling. And basically the police were like, well, we need to know for sure if this is Antoinette, so we're going to play it for her mother. So they play the recording for her mom, Penny, uh, which must have been brutal. She said that um, she had listened to it dozens of times. Yeah. So horrible. But she was certain that the voice on the phone was Antoinette's. She was uh, she would yeah. absolutely know. And this, I mean, this doesn't seem like a prank, right? I feel like we've had a lot of these these phone calls to families and police and stuff that have been pranks. This one doesn't seem like a prank. It's almost like the, too straightforward. Like, it's just, right. I'm this person. I'm in this place. It's not like, oh, mommy, I love you so much. I don't know. The pranks are seem to be like more too over the top. Yeah, They're and like, this was clearly a young girl's voice. There's a there's a man on the that can be clearly heard in the uh, recording. Uh, it's pretty pretty awful. Um, so Penny said girl. that she was especially certain based on the way the girl said her name. However, she did not recognize the man's voice. The police tried to trace the call, but were unsuccessful because the call didn't last long enough. So they weren't able to trace the call. But the call did give the family hope that at least Antoinette was still alive. Five years later, um, af- after age progressed photographs of Antoinette were released, which, I'm sorry, these photographs look exactly they look, like. They, they <laughs> just, like, stretched out her face. They didn't even, like, change the features. They just, like, made her face longer. It it's kind does of not weird. look any different than, like, the age like progressed photos mouth, look nothing different. is exactly the same. Her eyes are exactly the same. They just, like made her face very strange uh a waitress after that photo was released a waitress came forward believing that she saw antonette at her restaurant she recalled serving a table with a male a female and a young girl around the age of 14 or 15 she noticed that they had uh unkempt appearances then that possibly they could have been struggling with antonette um, the girl apparently would purposely drop her utensils on the floor when the waitress was at their table and the waitress would bend down, pick up the fork or whatever. And then when she placed it back on the table, the girl would grab her hand and squeeze it, which she said she thought nothing of. That's, uh, that seems like very strange behavior. Okay. Can uh, we also talk about that the utensils are falling on the floor and she's putting them back on the table? That's disgusting. That, I, that honestly did not cross my mind until this moment. But yeah, that is 
very gross. If someone at a restaurant knocks their fork on the floor, you get them another fork. <laughs> you don't just, you don't put, just, it call, you don't just put it back on the table. You don't put it back on the table. Ew. Okay. Multiple things are strange about this. This kid is like grabbing for her hand, like, hello, hello, pay attention. And she's just like, there, there. Like, this kid is not a little kid. This isn't a six year old. This is a 14 or 15 year old is grabbing for your hand in desperation. And you're just like, I didn't really think of anything of it. She went about her business. Um, <sighs> this is what happens when you go to work high. <laughs> probably true uh so the the man the woman and the young girl left the restaurant and then as the waitress was clearing the table she noticed that there was a napkin under the girl's plate with a message that said please help me call the police uh, oh i mean i know this, it's I, horrible I shouldn't, I shouldn't be mean because i'm sure this woman you know what serving any sort of like wait staff job that's a really hard job and I'm sure she yeah, tired and overworked and whatever and didn't realize what was happening until she found this note and it was too late. And I'm sure she felt terrible. So I take yeah. back my harassing. Though, really, if a fork falls on the floor, don't I mean, give it back honestly, to them to eat with. That's, a, that's an error. That shouldn't be happening. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't know that any of us know what we would do in that situation. Probably in hindsight, everything that was yeah, happening exactly, was, like, exactly. was like, oh, my God, when she grabbed my hand, she was trying to get my attention. I thought, but at know, the time, she whatever. was just kind of like, that was weird. Yeah, These people are exactly. weird also. I'm sure true. weird stuff happened at that restaurant all the time. She couldn't call the police about all of it. Yeah. So, of course, the sighting was distressing, distressing, but also brought additional hope to Antoinette's family. Because, again, this is evidence that she could so still be alive So many years have gone by. I know. And One so month- many must have people must have told them, yeah. you know what, your daughter's dead. One month later, investigators decided to re-interview witnesses involved in the case. They spoke to Antoinette's sister, Wendy, who was five years old at the time. She was now 10. She told investigators that she had actually witnessed Antoinette's abduction. Wendy said that about 3 a.m. there was a knock on the door. Antoinette went to answer it, and the person demanded that she open the door and and said that his name was Uncle Joe. Uh, When Antoinette opened the door, two men grabbed her. When asked why she hadn't come forward sooner, Wendy said that she was scared because she was fucking five years old um, and she yeah. was afraid that she would get in trouble, which I'm sure is true because she basically yeah. she said, as my fi- as a five year old girl, I saw how upset my parents were. And I thought that if I said anything, I would be in trouble, um, uh, which is and also the so trauma sad. of that. Like she can't her brain can't even process that at five years old. What's happening? Right. Exactly. So oh, it's terrible. So there actually was an Uncle Joe. He was married to Penny's sister at the time. However, he had an alibi and authorities uh, decided that he was not a suspect. I mean, thank Um, God for him. He does have an alibi, right? Otherwise, that's going to be hard to explain. This did lead investigators to believe that the abductors possibly knew the family because they knew to say like a name of someone they knew to say that they, they knew that these girls had an uncle Joe. So by saying it's uncle Joe open the door. Um, she didn't they, just open the door to anyone that was banging on there at three in the morning. She only opened it because they said she was someone she knew and trusted. Yes. Which is the way to trick a child. Yeah, like exactly. If she, if he, they were just banging and saying, let us in, she would have gone and gotten her mom. She wouldn't have just opened that door. Yes, exactly. Um, I think I failed to mention that Antoinette and her family are, are Navajo. And at this point in the 
or in the episode, they visit a Navajo medicine woman in hopes of learning more about Antoinette's whereabouts. Um, she did a ceremony, which was done in hopes of contacting the spirit of a missing person. And according to um, this woman, Antoinette is still alive and also may have a child. She uh, said that she was being that Antoinette is being held against her will and that she is possibly somewhere in south the southwest United States. Um, Unsolved Mysteries filmed this, but I think there's parts of there's like details of the case that they're not making public. Um, so the authorities said that they were actually quite surprised that this through the ceremony, the Navajo medicine woman um, actually basically knew some elements of the case mm. that they had not made public. And they were surpri- they were shocked at how detailed it was. Um, so there was actually, you know, they think there might be some credence to this. Yeah, Unsolved Mysteries, I don't know if we've talked about this, but Unsolved Mysteries would often hold back a key detail or change a key detail, like maybe the color of something, so that when people called in with tips, they would know if they were legitimate or not. Yes. Um, to like help weed out cranks. So it sounds like this woman was able to access information through the ceremony that wasn't publicly available. And I right. do appreciate that Unsolved Mysteries just films the ceremony instead of doing a reenactment. Because we know that would have been a hot mess. <laughs> Absolutely. So good choice there. So Antoinette's abductors are believed to be two adult males based on what Wendy witnessed. They may know her family, um, but they don't have a ton more to go with. Uh, Antoinette, according, uh, based on the, the ceremony, Antoinette may be uh, grown and may have a child of her own and may still be being held against her will. So I looked up on Unsolved Wiki to see if there was any update because we don't get one in the episode. And it says that it's still unresolved. Investigators uh, now believe that it. due to the passage of time, Antoinette is most certainly deceased at this point. Uh, basically, they know nothing. Um, Antoinette's mother, Penny, passed away in 1999. Before her death, the police had wanted to question her again about Antoinette's disappearance, but her death complicated their investigation. Uh, police now believe that she knew more about Antoinette's abduction than she uh, than she had told as she had failed a polygraph test and reportedly made extensive purchases following her disappearance. There also were allegations that she was involved um, in selling drugs. And none of this tells me that she would be involved in. So bullshit. Yeah. Maybe she did all that. That doesn't mean that she had anything to do with her daughter's disappearance. I don't know. Unsolved Mysteries Wiki is giving me no extra information. This is unsolved. That sucks. That's really bad. Because it really does seem like she was alive for many years after she was abducted. So who had her and what? Oh, it's so unthinkable. Yeah, it it does seem like the authorities took this case seriously, and honestly, I'm kind of surprised. And, yeah. and maybe Unsolved Mysteries is like portraying it in a better light than the case really deserves. But there is just such a problem with missing and murdered Indigenous women that is so often like not addressed or taken seriously at all. Right. And, yeah, oh, it was this is such a sad case. Yeah, oh, it's horrible. The thing about making a lot of purchases, like people do different things with grief or when bad stuff happens. And some people shop to feel better. I don't know that that's... I'm raising my hand right now. Hello, pandemic. You should see my Etsy purchases. <laughs> like, for some people, that's like a coping mechanism or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I don't know that that... I don't know that that proves she like sold her kid. 
whatever. No, that's it's stupid. There was a I my MVM was in this segment. It was Oh I bet he was. Detective I bet he was. Marty Escabel. And I actually named this one. Do you want to hear what I called this one? I definitely do. The Christmas Garland. Aw, I it, like it. It looked like it was draped across his lip like a garland almost. Like it was just this, laying there. This mustache is exceptional. I have never <laughs> seen one like it. It is like a perfect half circle with like tassels. It's really something. And also Marty has a mullet. So it just completes the whole look. I called this... We're all familiar with the crop circle. I called it the crop semicircle. <laughs> I like it. I like because it. Because it really is strangely round. It To me, it evoked images of a garland because it seemed like it had just been draped across his lip. Like it could, it like if he shook his head, it would just fall off. It does not fit his face. I have no. to say, Marty, I hope you've moved on. I don't think this look is doing you any favors. <laughs> I don't think this is the mustache for you. Like, I feel like he might be able to pull off a mustache, but Not no one, no one could one. pull off this mustache. <laughs> like, Tom Selleck would look ridiculous in this mustache. It's just not meant for this world. <laughs> this mustache is not meant for this world. It's very true. It's true. Sorry, Marty. Yeah, Marty. Oof. Okay. But you know what? Marty... I know we're very all da- very down on the police right now, and I completely agree and completely understand. But Marty did seem to be taking this case very seriously, and I think that he was really trying to find Antoinette, and I just hate it. I know. Okay. But we're going to cheer things up with a happy mystery now. This is a lost love. And Robert- Is this the most wholesome mystery we have ever gotten on this show? I, I think perhaps the magic rock is the most wholesome and then okay, this, that's probably the second true. most This wholesome. would be like a litmus test. Like if if you have feeling, if you can still be moved by something after everything that's happened, this yeah. is like the test. If you get a little teary-eyed watching this episode, if you feel something stirring deep inside your chest, just like a little warm and fuzzy, like it's it's a little unfamiliar, you haven't felt that way in a while, this is like that. Yeah, my my heart is not completely dead because I found this to be very charming. So Robert Stack tells us that this is the story of a good deed, which in a charming and mysterious way is returned 500 fold. So this is the story of Gene and Russell Johnson, who had retired to Florida and were living on a meager fixed income. Russell was a former fire chief who was forced to retire after a heart attack. So he had had open heart surgery um, Gene had had breast cancer, and because this is the United States, it had like completely wiped out their savings. So um, they had somewhere to live in Florida, but they didn't really have much else. Like they were scraping by. Um, Russell was spending most of his retirement in his wood shop, where he was building custom dollhouses and repairing church organs. I assume that was just like for a little extra cash, and also something that he enjoyed doing. Uh, and they had raised four children prior to moving to florida this man was spending his retirement making dollhouses and repairing church organs this is a real person (laughs) it's so sweet and i mean yeah this whole story is great so one day russell it's just a normal day russell is working in his wood shop and gene runs in to get him and she's a little bit frightened and she says that there's a man in the front yard who's looking for work so he can get something to eat um 
So Russell goes out to meet him, and this guy says what I just said, and that he was very hungry. And Russell says, no, I don't have any work for you to do, but you sure won't leave here hungry. So, I mean, obviously he doesn't make him a sandwich. He has his wife make him a sandwich (laughs) and pour him an iced tea. Um, And they said that they didn't have much, but they shared all that they had. So Russell pulls out two lawn chairs and sits with this guy while he eats a couple sandwiches. And he said that he had been hitchhiking for from Houston looking for work and that he was too tired to talk. So they just sort of sat there and kept him company, which is just incredibly sweet. And after a little while he, yeah, he ate like three sandwiches and then he gets up to go and they ask him if he has any money. And the guy says that he has exactly 13 cents. So, um, Gene goes back into the house and like literally is like scrounging up change that they happen to have. They have it like in a sugar jar. (laughs) Yeah. And they give him about $5, which seems like literally all the money that they had on them. Um, so they wish him good luck and he says, God bless you. And apparently this like serene feeling comes over them. So as this guy like walks down the road, they decide that they're going to go to the other side of the house so they can wave to him from like this <laughs> porch or something because they're so wholesome. But when they get to that other side of the house, the man's already vanished and they like go out in the streets, look for him and they can't find him anywhere. So they start joking like, oh, we must have been visited by an angel. And I think this happened in... November, I want to say. I didn't write it down. Sorry. And at this point, I write, this is the best mystery ever. Okay. (laughs) So 10 days before Christmas, they get an anonymous card that includes a check for $500. And Gene is like, I think someone is pulling our leg. Which, why? That's so mean. It's a horrible prank. So they go to the bank. And this is also like one of the most wholesome interactions we've ever seen on NFL Mysteries. They go to the bank and the like bank teller knows them. And they're like, look, if we didn't know you, we probably would just throw this away. But can you tell us if this check <laughs> is real? Because we think someone's playing a practical joke on us. And they're like, nope, it's real. How would you want it? And they're like, oh, put it in the savings account. And they're like, <laughs> so happy because... $500 is, like, life-changing to them. They cry and, that- and hug and are, like, this is change. This is life- a life-changing amount of money. So, and that ends up happening for at least the next four Christmases, is that they just keep getting a card that will be signed either, like, your friend or your Christian friend and includes a check for $500, and it doesn't say anything else. Um, and then Robert Stack describes this as the everyday miracle of kindness. And I was like... <laughs> Things that happen every day aren't miracles, and that doesn't make any sense. But it is a super sweet story, and particularly because the one Samantha just talked about was so sad. It was kind of nice to get, like, what a great mystery. Who's sending us money? I want that mystery. Yeah. Greatest Greatest mystery I've ever heard. We keep getting money, and we don't know from who. I according to Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, this is unsolved. We don't know if we don't know if they ever discovered who their benefactor was. We have no updates. I hope they kept getting money till the day they died. I love this mystery. It's, it's so I sweet. I can't think of a better mystery. It's even better than like finding a treasure. Just literally, money comes to you in the mail, and you go, "Huh? I don't know who this is from. I'm gonna go cash this." The best. The episode. This is like a parable. These people had nothing. They gave this man their last $5. And then it's repaid, just anonymous. They still don't even know who this freaking person is. And just they anonymously get these. It's the sweetest thing. I I mean, this is a... 
a level of poverty where the for the wife was saying it was lucky she had just gone to the store because they didn't regularly eat much for lunch. So the only reason that they had these sandwiches to make him was just because she had just happened to go to the store. Like, and they gave him th- like three or four sandwiches. <laughs> these people had nothing and they gave him what they had. Listen, just a friendly reminder that Jeff Bezos could end world hunger in like a second and still be like a trillionaire right and he chooses every day not to like he makes a conscious choice every day to not do that meanwhile there's people like this that are have been bankrupted because they got cancer and had a heart attack because this is america i'm honestly like tearing up because yeah these people are so nice and we're just willing to do something they just saw another person in trouble and we're willing to do whatever they could to help him. And it's so sweet. It's amazing. Ugh. And I'm quite, yeah. I, okay, most of the time you do a good deed, no, you're not going to get rewarded. You're not going to get $500 in the mail. And they well, weren't expecting the right it. Do. No. Right? They not. were just no. doing they're it because, people. yeah, they're like, this This man needs help. He has no food. We have a sandwich. <laughs> we're going to give, like. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, we don't even necessarily know that that man is the person that started sending them money. Maybe someone heard about this and did it. Or maybe it's not connected at all. But, yeah, they saw someone that was struggling. That, and they they knew from their own experiences that things can go wrong very quickly that are outside of your control. Right. He didn't choose to have a heart attack and she didn't choose to have <laughs> cancer. Like, circumstances can bring you to tragic circumstances extremely quickly. Everything can fall apart. So... They felt for this guy that was hitchhiking around looking for work. And even just the fact that they let him, like, sit down and cool off was, like, so kind instead of just being, like, get out of here. Right. Oh. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah. Those are really good people. Okay. That is the end of the episode. Let's read it. Okay. Mysteriousness. Um, Pretty mysterious. I really, really wish we knew what happened to Antoinette. Yeah, it's that alone horrible. is so mysterious. Horrible, horrible case. Um, we have two happy mysteries in here in a way that makes them set less mysterious. I don't know. I mean, they're but, not really mysteries. I mean, they kind of are, but sort yeah, of not. I don't but know, I'm, but it's whatever. I liked it. <laughs> and we do know who killed Neil Jennings, but we didn't know at the time that this aired. So I'm going to actually say it's pretty mysterious. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Uh, reenactments. Not bad. They're fine. They're fine. Um, yeah, a little cheesy at times, but I don't know. They're fine. They do the job sideways. <laughs> sideways. Fashion, though, I think I have to oh. give a thumbs up. Just oh. the hair alone in this mystery. Uh, Antoinette's sister Wendy's hair is like just very, a time a time capsule in and of itself. Yes. Her mom, when she's, like, looking for her, is wearing this, like, very brightly colored patchwork leather jacket that I wish I had. Um, yeah. yeah. it's real. It's very good. Um, so, yeah, thumbs up. Yeah. For, thumbs yeah, up for I'm, fashion, well, I think. Thumbs up. Mostly just for that one segment, but still still gets a thumbs up. Still gets a thumbs up. And I think Robert Stack deserves a thumbs up just for his overall oh. attitude. I don't yes. know. Yes. So charming. I was Christmas watching this like Robert Stack is great. They really picked the right host for this show. He's just so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean try watching watching that and not giving him a thumbs up. 
Not going to happen. To challenge you. Okay. So uh, out of five Robert Stacks, what would you rate this episode? I feel like I have to go with either a three and a half or a four. I would say four. I really liked it. I think it's pretty solid. I like the four mysteries. I think they're well paced. Good variety. And you know what? I was just happy to get some happy mysteries. Yeah, actually. I really was. I really, I really needed it. I liked it a yeah. lot. Yeah. I think we can settle on a four. I think it's pretty four. good. Four. Four All Robert right. Stacks out of five Robert Stacks. Plus that mustache. Man, oh man, that was quite the mustache. It's pretty memorable. So that surely that bumps it up to a four. <laughs> just the mustache alone you know sometimes sometimes the mustaches carry the episodes it's just the way it goes i actually if you like search unsolved mysteries on youtube and you can see the little thumbnail for all the episodes just go through and just from the thumbnail see how many of them have mustaches it's like every other one it's wild it's like mustache not a mustache Mustache. they know what the people like mustache and beard not a mustache 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 yeah it's like very very prevalent i think the thumbnail for season two is just that guy who had the mustache that attached to his sideburns i forget what that's called but i see it every time i search unsolved mysteries on youtube and i'm just like a man they're like that really was the highlight of that season was just that mustache they know that's gonna make you click You're turning in for Unsolved Mysteries content, by which we mean exceptional facial hair. This mustache in particular. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is our recommendation segment. Are you going to recommend sweet potatoes? Oh, I do love a sweet potato. And a sweet potato. How come you can make a sweet potato pie, but not just like a potato pie? (laughs) I guess you can. It's just safe. I mean, yeah, no one's going to. Maybe people do. Like a shepherd's pie. That's not really a pie, though. But that's, yeah, that's well, a shepherd's pie doesn't have a has, crust. Yeah, it's not like made out of potatoes in the same way that a sweet potato pie is. Though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that wasn't my recommendation. I actually wanted to highlight a black-owned business this week, so I wanted to recommend a jewelry website called Decorated Jewelry, which is. They got that don't name name. Good for them. Um, this actually goes back to my trip to New Orleans last year. My friend and I, when I when we were there, ch- stumbled upon this very chill, lovely art fair. It was like small. It was just like a collective group of vendors. There's like a kid selling truffles out of a Tupperware thing. Like literally a child. <laughs> There's people playing music. It was just like very low key and nice. And this was one of the vendors, decorated jewelry, and I ended up buying what is now my favorite pair of earrings from them. Ooh. Um, so I wanted to give them a shout out. It's all handmade jewelry that includes like natural gemstones, crystals, and I think it's very well made. I think it's, you know, kind of timeless, kind of classic stuff. Um, I can't tell you how much I love these earrings I got. I wear them all the time. So it seemed like way overdue for me to recommend this shop. You can also follow her on Instagram at Decorated Jewelry. And nice. she does really good um, Instagram stories, too. Um, just about, like, stuff in New Orleans and, you know, other creative things going on and whatever. So that's cool I'm looking see. at the website right now because you sent it to me. And I think I'm going to need to get me some jewelry because the it's all beautiful. It's like, really, all really of nice. it. 
And I'm not a big jewelry person. So for me to say that, like, I think I would wear any everything on this website is, like, that's how beautiful, like, I like it all. I know times are, like, kind of tough right now. A lot of us are out of work, myself included. But um, if you're buying a gift or you're treating yourself or, you know, that unemployment money is rolling in, this is a direction you can put it to that actually goes to, like, a cool person instead of Jeff Bezos. Yeah. I really like so that. Yeah. It's like a nice, small business. Yeah. Cool. So I wasn't sure what I was going to recommend, but you inspired me. And I think I'm going to recommend a Black-owned business as well, because I recently put in a bunch of candle orders. I feel oh, like I'm yes. feeling a little bit like candle withdrawal. Like I have not been to a Home Goods or a Marshalls. <laughs> I walked down a candle aisle and spent too much time sniffing every candle <laughs> in I far know. too long. So I placed a bunch of candle orders. I think I bought like three or four candles from a few different companies. But one in particular I want to recommend because I kid you not, I picked this box up from the mailbox and could smell the candle. Like inside the box. And this is like a totally soy candle. You know how sometimes soy candles, like the scent doesn't really fill up the room. I could smell this candle and it smelled amazing. Like through the packaging that it was sent in. So this is Nice Scent Candle Co. And you can find them on Instagram at Nice Scent Candle Co. All one word. Um, They make Atlanta. Atlanta inspired candles. So all of their candles have like Atlanta names. I bought the Peach Street candle and it smells amazing. I've actually, so I'm working from home right now. So I will often light a candle and just kind of enjoy it while I'm working during the day. And I've been lighting this one every single day because it really does fill up the whole room. I feel like that's why people like Bath and Body Works candles because they do a really good job of filling up the room, but they're not soy and like, I don't know. I would rather support a smaller company. Um, and I cannot recommend this candle enough. And it's always kind of a crapshoot when you buy them online, too, because you can't smell them. You don't know if you're going to like the smell. Yeah, you don't know if you're going to burn yeah. it. It's going to smell like nothing, which has happened to me a few times. I've actually bought candles in the store that smelled really good. And then I burned them and they can't smell a goddamn thing. So the fact that I could smell this one through the box and it was I was like, I cannot wait to get this box open and burn this candle. I wish it was a little bit bigger, actually, but I think it's going to last me a long time. Um, I'm on this yeah, website, and I think I'm going to order this right now, this Peach Street candle. It smells so good. If you like that peaches, highly really, recommend. I do. I really do. This Georgia State fruit protrudes a natural, sensational sweetness of juicy ripe peaches and sweet cream, while its lingering undertones of green apple and vanilla accents elevate into the air. The most popular street in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to get this. There was a thread going around Twitter about black-owned candle businesses. And I think this was on here. And if anybody else has tried any of those businesses and wants to recommend candles that we should try from black-owned businesses, let us know. I'm definitely interested. The other one that I recommend, but I don't know that she has anything in stock, is um, Pretty Honest Candles because Beyonce recommended her shop as well. And so, damn, yeah. Everything is out of stock. The candle, I I managed to get one candle. The one I really wanted, she had this pineapple sage, like, candle that was part of her summer line and it sounds amazing. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get it because (laughs) it sounds like she's, like, really... (laughs) <laughs> buried in orders from all which is amazing um damn you beyonce um but yeah i got the these both of them off of that list and 
I I feel like I saw that list pretty early. Like it was going viral, but I feel like it hadn't gained as much traction as it as it did later on. And yet I swear I couldn't find like hardly any candles in stock. I was like, this is kind of amazing. And I hope people keep up this momentum and don't just like go back to Amazon for everything. Yeah, pr- the pretty honest candle shop cr- right now says processing time is currently four weeks. Yes. <laughs> so, which whatever, uh, you know, but it's just if when Beyonce sounds love your way, that's gonna. That's going to happen. And I mean, you're probably going to have to wait a little bit when you order from smaller businesses. And it's sort of nice, though. It's kind of like Christmas when it shows up. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's like you just got a little gift for your future self, don't they? And then she had these like um, iridescent jars, too. Um, that the last I, so I, fo- I follow her and I watch her Instagram stories and someone had asked about them and she wasn't sure when they're going to be back in stock but oh, I'm keeping man. my eye on that shop because I think I need one of those iridescent candles <laughs> okay I'm looking at the travel tents right now what okay yeah I'm I love I just order. love candles <laughs> I'm gonna have to order some yes thank you to everyone that sent us that list because they know that we wanted candles <laughs> we had been talking about candles here before that came out so that's so funny Okay, I think uh, those are some really solid recommendations that I will add to the recommendations page on our website. Perhaps it's Hell yeah, check it out. Be Sorry warned. for the typo. Yes, it includes an <laughs> egregious error. Be warned about that. We're never fixing it, so <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so yeah you're just going to have to not look at it. Um, okay, I think that brings our episode to a close, unless there's anything else you wanted to add. No, I don't think so. Let's just plug our shit. Okay, so we're on the social medias. You might have heard of them. There's like Twitter, Instagram. We have a Facebook group. That's perhaps it's you. If you wanted to email us, um, maybe something for the zine or a spooky story of something that happened to you or perhaps a psychic dream that you had, you're going to want to email that to perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. As I just said, we have a website, perhaps it's you.com. There's also a form on there you could fill out if you want to contact us and, I don't know, hey, emails or something. Um, and all of our recommendations can be found on there, too, as well as some fan art. Patreon and, this month yeah. is going to be, I think, the first two episodes of the reboot. I think each of us will do one. So that'll be um, coming out later this month. What we just posted was us talking about the low files yet again. So if you want <laughs> can't stop. more low files content, you could sign up now and listen to all of our back bonus episodes, which there's so many of them at this we've point. We've got quite a few. I don't know how we've made I don't know how we've been doing this show for so long. I don't know how that happened. Honestly, it's a mystery. Whew, that is a mystery. Uh oh, leave us reviews. iTunes, Apple Podcasts. But keep in mind we only accept five star reviews the purge has not happened yet there are still laws so it has to have high stars i feel like i'm very clear about it it's a very simple rule honestly it's one you can follow it we know you can yeah and if anybody on twitter wants to talk to me about the show search party i would love to talk about it but like nobody has hbo max so whatever (laughs) (laughs) i think maybe that's where we end I think so. Yes. That's a good place to stop. <laughs> okay, everyone, you should if look, if you're in a country where the pandemic is like over now, I guess you can go out and solve some mysteries. For people in the US, stay the fuck home, but keep barking.